Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Fun Men About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Archived right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, Stitcher, and iTunes. Right. <laughs> so this is our 82nd show. That's, that's crazy. That's all right. crazy talk. We got a couple quick announcements and then we're getting to our very exciting guest. Go, Chris. Okay. First up, it is July Good Beer Month in New York City. July Good Beer Month is put on by the Good Beer Seal. And as such, there are a lot of really fun events happening in New York City. One of them I'm part of next week. Uh, it is the Beer Film Festival at Anthology Film Archives. Uh, you can go to beerfilmfest2014.brownpapertickets.com to find out more about that. But basically, it is going to be uh, several short films and videos curated by Beer Sessions Radio host Jimmy Carboni, the Happy Hour Guys, the Good Beer Seal, and Beer Nation TV. Uh, the film list is still being curated, but uh, will definitely include uh, Craft Beer Bandit, Beer Nation, Beer Heroes, Story of Rockaway Brewing Companies, and others. I'll be serving some beer from 508 Castro Brewery. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have an after party at Jimmy's No. 43. So please come on through and <laughs> also i'm brewing a beer this week for beer for beasts beer for beasts is happening on september 13th it is the fourth annual beer for beasts you can go to beeradvocate.com to find out more about that but it is a really great 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 charity host event hosted by beer advocate and six point brewery it will take place on saturday uh september 13th at the bell house in brooklyn uh featured tons of uh, exclusive beers uh bunch of different food event, uh, vendors and will benefit the Humane Society of New York City. Very excited about that. I'm brewing a coffee Hefeweizen with Heather McReynolds, a six-point brewing company. A very, very small batch, which will probably only be available at that event, and it's going to be loads of fun. Mary, what you got? Well, I want to give it, first of all, I want to give a huge shout-out to Brooklyn Brewery and the Kaizen Trading Company. We went to the first dinner party that Brooklyn Brewery is putting on. They're collaborating with a series of chefs or local business businesses, and the first was Kaizen Crate Trading Company, which is an offshoot of Momofuku restaurant. So it's basically a lab where they're developing all kinds of fermented goodness. This dinner was awesome. Every, every dish had fermented stuff. <laughs> yeah, there were seven courses, basically. Stuff. Six courses and a muse boucher. Um, and they all included some kind, some element of fermentation. We also got a goodie bag to take home, which included a Brooklyn, um, their wheat, green market wheat, mm -hmm. as well as two really special products from the Kaizen Trading Company that actually aren't even available to the public. We got a hosen and a, bonj um, a bonji. So yep. we are hoping to have um, one of their, somebody from Kaizen on the show in the next couple of months and to talk more about what those actually are exactly and what they're they're doing some really exciting stuff there so we definitely want to hear more and it was them. held at a new place if you're local at all Humboldt and Jackson uh, is going to do a lot of different uh, food education programs and, and is really neat old school bar 
Yep, and there are more of these dinner parties coming up. The next one is a collaboration with Brooklyn Grange, so we'll definitely be announcing that because it was absolutely an amazing time. And anybody in the New York City area that's into beer and and local stuff is, wish, man, put it on your calendar. So we will tell you about that soon. Okay, the next last announcement is the New York Pro-Am Brew PIT. It's put on by our friends at Bitter and Esters. It's going to be held on August 9th at Covenhoven, which is a wonderful craft beer bar on Classen Avenue in Brooklyn. There's going to be two sessions, and um, they're going to feature, they've paired up five local breweries with five home brewers. So you'll get to taste commercial brews, and then some home brews that were inspired by these commer- by these local um, commercial breweries. So if you want to buy tickets, go to bitterandesters.com. And last but not least, that's actually also a competition. Those guys are kind of competing for a chance to brew uh, with a local brewer. Me, I think, actually, is how it's set up. Um, but also, this weekend was the Knights of Brooklyn Homebrew Century competition. I just have to shout him out. Simon Tepes took it again, man. The guy is making amazing, amazing beers, and, uh, and uh, I love this gentleman. We did a collaboration together. He makes amazing, really clean beers. Congratulations, Simon Tepes. Congratulations. And without further ado, we're going to bring on our guest. So one of my, as Chris and I have mentioned many times before, we were at the National Homebrewers Conference, put on by the American Homebrewers Association. In, it was in June in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And one of my favorite seminars, I mean, I have to say there were so many good seminars. Um, and they all are, they were all recorded and they're on the AHA website. I'm continuing to catch up on the ones I missed. But one of my very favorite seminars was by Jeff Mello of Bootleg Biology. So we have Jeff on the show as a call-in guest. Jeff, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me, Mary and Chris. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us who you are. Yeah. First of all, you're, 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 you're based in Nashville, Tennessee right now, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, until last year, um, my wife and I lived in the D.C. area, but we really wanted to move to Nashville to be close to the family, and we really dig it here. Awesome. We have some good friends in Nashville. and I had a brief visit there earlier this year and was really impressed with their whole beer kombucha fermentation scene. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, about who you are and what what bootleg biology is. Sure thing. So I'm Jeff Mello. I am not a trained microbiologist. I really started off as a home brewer that kind of was obsessed with yeast, um, um, probably a little bit too much. And so I devoted a lot of my attention just kind of going through every resource that I could to, to learn about yeast and fermentation. And um, really that's been my focus on, on brewing. And at a, at a point I just I, I thought I needed to do something more. I, I did an experiment, experiment in my backyard where I captured yeast using a lambic-style fermentation, um, and the jars didn't turn out too well. It was kind of gross. There was mold growing on them. Um, so I figured it was um, not something I'd want to brew with, but um, I decided to try and isolate yeast from it. I didn't know anything about isolating yeast. I just kind of looked up information on the Internet and then um, read books like um, Chris White's Yeast, um, and then just did a lot of experimentation. And so that kind of led me to bootleg biology. Is Once I figured out how to isolate yeast from my backyard, I was like, well, of course other people need to do this too. Um, so we've created bootlegbiology.com, um, which is kind of a resource to teach people all the steps that I've used um, to capture yeast, um, how to make auger plates, and then how to isolate it and to brew with it. Um, and then... Beyond that, once I've gotten yeast from my backyard, I wanted to really build a database. You know, there's yeast that's great in D.C. area, and I know now there's yeast that's great in the Nashville area. So why not try to get yeast from every zip code in the entire country? And so that's 
been one of our major goals at the local yeast project to, to really focus on getting a yeast from every zip to, to really prove that yeast um, has a local character um, and it's something that anyone can learn how to capture and isolate. Um, so that's been kind of our main goal is to teach people how to capture yeast and isolate it and then build up this wonderful bank that um, anyone can have access to if they contribute um, yeast from their backyard. Cool. Now I'm looking at the, the database right now, and you have um, yeast currently from, of course, you know the D.C. area, uh, Tennessee, and then as far away as Texas, Colorado, Arizona, Bulgaria, Bellingham, <laughs> Washington. So tell me a little bit about some of these yeasts. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. It's oftentimes, you know, I'm, I'm capturing yeast just because, you know, this is my obsession. But other people are, are sending me their yeast. You know, we're we really, you know, I call this an open source yeast project because I know that I can't get the yeast myself. You know, I'm not going to get yeast from every zip code. So I'm trying to encourage people by teaching them these techniques um, to send me yeast from their backyard that they've isolated. And not everyone has done that, and everyone's interested in doing that. So some people will just send me a sketchy jam jar full of the directs from a, a backyard lambic they had made and just said, hey, go ahead, you know, try and isolate something from this. Um, and so once I do that, we'll add it to the database. Um, so it, it's much easier in the U.S. Um, I've had... Um, friends that were traveling in Bulgaria bring um, grapes back. Um, had someone who was um, isolating yeast from jujuba fruit in Italy send that to me. So it's a little bit trickier to get yeast um, internationally, but it just shows you that anywhere you are, there's yeast available, and you can totally get it. And it's amazing the, the amount of character that can be different between each strain. Um, oftentimes you'll find ones that are pretty clean fermenting that It'll give you a little bit of a fruity character, but otherwise are pretty neutral. Um, but then you can get other ones where you're getting something like Britannomyces, where it's nice and funky and horse, horse blankety. What is the medium that you've tested these on mostly? Or like base beers? Do you do, do a general... Well, yeah, we, we definitely do um, a test batch for the beers. You know, once I've, I've worked on it, um, you know, try to isolate it, and it seems like it, it's going to act like typical brewer's yeast in some way. Um, I have a, a simple saison recipe that I use. That I, you know, it's a, it's a fairly ne- neutral grain bill. Um, it's not overly hoppy in any way. So really, the character of the yeast is going to be expressed um, pretty clearly. Um, so simple saison recipe, and then just let it ferment um, away. You know, let it free rise, and let the yeast really decide how that beer is going to taste. And so I just. I'll do a five-gallon batch because that's just the system I have, and then I'll split that off into one-gallon jugs at the end of the boil and then just pitch a single vial of an isolated yeast culture into each um, each jug and then just see what happens. And really the whole time I'm just kind of looking at the fermentation process and seeing how it goes and then at the end pulling out samples and measuring the gravity and checking the pH and just getting a general idea of the metrics. But in reality, the most important thing is, you know, what does it taste like? Is this a good brewer's yeast? Um, so we'll, you know, we'll ball it up, um, naturally carbonate it, and then taste it later and really try to nail down what this beer tastes like because of the yeast. And it can be all manner of, of uh, fruity qualities to it. Very cool. So let's talk. You have a, um, a backyard, all right, a backyard biology, wait, what do you call it? A backyard biology kit that you're selling? It's the, we're calling it the, 
Backyard Yeast Wrangling Toolkit. That's right. Yeast Wrangler. Backyard yes, he's a yeast wrangler. wrangler. He's, that's his job title. He's a yeast wrangler. Right so now. tell us a little bit about that, and then what? Um, just kind of an, a brief overview of how easy it is for somebody that wants to start culturing their local yeast to do so. Yeah, so the Backyard Yeast Wrangling Toolkit was kind of like a, a dream of mine is that, you know, there's some things that most home brewers have that you can use to to do this yeast culturing and isolating process. But there's always a few things that just, you know, it's really hard to come up with an alternative that you might have in your own home to use, like a petri dish, petri dish or auger. Um, and those things, you can find them um, online, but I wanted to put everything in one place so that you feel comfortable. You can, you can purchase the kit, and you'll have the more science-based tools um, to do this this process and have a lot of detailed instructions in the kit and even on the website bootlegbiology.com so it breaks it down in simple ways and in terms that home brewers use all the time and the way I, I thought about it when I was putting together is that if a, if a person can make beer they should be able to use this kit and I, I think I've achieved that goal with it since um, you know it has only some slightly complicated tools that really aren't that complicated when you when you use it right that's one of the things so i have a science background and that was but i haven't done um a lot of those processes for a long time more years than i want to admit i think um so i I thought the wonderful thing about your this yeast wrangling kit and the way that you explain it explained the process during the seminar was that it made it very accessible and very simple for anyone to do, regardless if they have had any time in a lab or not. And I think that's something really important. I think a lot of homebrewers want to explore and are interested in, you know, more local products, local hops, local malt, and also local yeast, but are very intimidated to do it yourself. So what is, can you just take a step-by-step, you don't have to much detail, but just the basics of, of wrangling a yeast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's the fun part is, like you're saying, you know, people assume that it's 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 super complicated, but um, if I can do it, I, I think I'm proof that anyone else can do it because I don't have that um, science background. But really, it's, I think it's three core things you need to do. It's you need to capture the yeast, and there's lots of fun ways you can capture yeast. Like I said, I I originally captured uh, my first yeast strain from my backyard using a variation of a lambic method. Um, there's other simpler ways you can do it. You can um, just use fruit. You can dunk fruit into um, wort. Um, that's a great way to just culture some yeast from the very beginning. Or I like to use sterile cotton swabs and just is a, lar- a fruit that's too large to fit in a jar or say you're traveling. When I'm going anywhere, I always bring sterile cotton swabs with me. Um, things that you think might be rich in yeast, go ahead and swab them and then save them for later. Um, and then when you get back home, you can just dunk that into a small amount of wort there you are, you've, you've cultured that. And so that, that I think, is the funnest part because you're out anywhere. You're trying to capture yeast that you think is fun. Um, so the tricky part is, okay, how do I get a mixed culture? And there's microbes everywhere. Uh, I want a pure strain of yeast, so how do I get to that point? Well, it's actually not that di- difficult. You need to um, work with auger plates. And auger really is just it's a kind of a seaweed that when you boil it with something, it's set to um, a gelatin-like consistency. Um, and really what you do is you dunk a little bit of your solution with the microbes and your wild culture um, onto the auger plate, and you just kind of thin it out. You know, it's a little more detailed than that, but essentially that's what you're trying to do is take a bunch of microbes 
and just thin it out to, at one point, there's just one microbe that'll grow a bit larger into a colony that you can actually see with your eye, and that way you know it's a pure culture. And then from that point, it's just a matter of picking up that colony and sticking it into a small amount of works, um, and then you know you've got a pure culture. So, you know, like I said, it's a little more uh, detailed than that, but essentially that's what it is, you know, and those are things that any home brewer can do. Absolutely, absolutely. And then once you get that, you know, once you have your, you've isolated your colony and you you um, take some of this into your ward, then you're just building a starter from there and, and pitching it into a beer. Correct? Exactly. I mean, it's it's really just home brewing at that point. Um, the only thing you really need to decide is how do you want to store it. Um, some people, you know, they want to figure out the most advanced ways of doing it, but I like making slants. Uh, and slants are really just a variation of an auger plate. You just need a tube, and you um, put auger in it, and then you just streak on top of that, stick it in your fridge, and you have that for even years of uh, time. You can go back and always grow that sample up. Um, and when I'm growing from a super small sample, like a colony from a plate, um, it's a really simple process of just sticking that colony into 10 milliliters of wort um, and then building that up tenfold each time, so 10 mils to 100 mil to 1,000 and then you're, you know, you're essentially ready to brew with it. Very mm-hmm. cool. So we have to take a short break, but we will be right back with more from Bootleg Biology and how you can participate in the Open Yeast Project. The man about it. The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Welcome back to Ferment About It. We are This is our second, <laughs> second half of the show with Jeff Mello from Bootleg Biology. Jeff, you haven't been brewing that long. Did, had you been home brewing before you started this project? Or we started culturing your yeah. yeast? Yeah, I think, um, I guess, close to four years now, but I've only been doing bootleg biology-related yeast strangling stuff for just a little over a year. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So it, it is really that simple to start doing this, and I love that you're sharing this information with everybody, and you're, you are absolute proof of that thing. How does one become part of this program? Well, really, you know, like I was saying, you know, it's an open-source yeast project. You know, it's, it's an audacious goal is to build this yeast bank that I, you know, I truly hope will be you know, representative everywhere in the country and the globe, and I can't do it without anyone's help, and I, I really need people to be, become a part of bootleg biology. You know, it's bigger than myself. You know, I'm, I want to teach people these things so they can, you know, use the tools to 
make beer in their home, but also the larger goal is to make a database that you know shows that there's local yeast everywhere. And so if people send their local yeast to the project, um, they become part of bootleg biology. So we put them on our big board. We have our um, culture board that Mary was talking about um, that shows you know who captured that yeast, where it was captured from, the zip code, you know what method it was used, whether it was a lambic jar or um, fruit. So you get that um, recognition for kind of owning that zip code. You're the person who who got that zip code for the first time, so you can kind of have that claim to fame. And then once you contribute a culture, we we give you a culture back. So some people um, don't want to go through the effort of isolating a yeast, so they'll send the culture to us, and then we'll isolate it and send it back to them. But right. if you have isolated something, um, we'll send you something from anything else from our bank. So we have not just local yeast, but um, yeast from fermented foods, um, from bottle dregs, from um, anywhere you can, um, any Belgian brewery or whatnot. So it really is a, it's a collaborative effort. And I think the more people contribute, um, the better it becomes. And then we can all kind of um, take ownership for making something that's really unique. And I don't think anyone else has tried to do something like this before. Absolutely. And over years, it's going to be interesting to see if the, if the, if the dominant culture changes in this particular zip code or not. That'll be fun. Exactly. Well, there's, you know, and some people, some yeah. people even ask, you know, what, um, you know, if they can find a different yeast from one part of the yard versus the other, and that's, right. that's totally true. So you could have backyard contests, I'm sure. <laughs> so if you want to get involved in this, I would say that um, the Bootleg Biology Yeast Wrangler Kit is awesome because it includes everything you need up until the point where you put them in Petri dishes. Um and it's available online through Rebel Brewer. Is that correct? That's right. Um, we actually have some local homebrew shops here in Nashville um, and in D.C. Um, and um, soon we're going to be um, selling them through Monster Brew. Um, so we really try to want to be accessible to anywhere you, you're buying your homebrew equipment, whether it's online or in your local store. Um, and like Chris was saying, you know, it's, it's, it has all the tools you need. Um, and it has a contributor pack, so really, once you've done the process of isolating yeast, um, you can actually just swab your sample um, and stick it in an envelope, and it's prepaid, and it comes directly to us. So it's it's really simple to become a part of the project once you've gone through the process with the kit. Very cool. So I want to know about this Colorado Yeast Odyssey that you participated <laughs> in recently. What is that about? <laughs> well, the Colorado Yeast Odyssey was, was really just um, my wife and I's anniversary vacation. But, you know, we love we love Colorado. Um, and anytime we go, we love to just see different parts of the state. Um, so this year we started off in Colorado Springs, um, and we just kind of did a big loop around the whole state. Um, from Colorado Springs, we drove to um, Durango, and then we went north up to Uray, um, and then even further up to Glenwood Springs. So everywhere we went, we tried to find some place where we could capture yeast. And so there's actually a, a kind of well-known highway that goes in between Durango and Uray um, that's called the Million Dollar Highway, and it's just gorgeous scenery, beautiful mountains, and um, there's a few spots where you can just pull over and just kind of admire the area. And so at one point we did that, found some local flowers, and stuck them in a vial, and there we are. We have a million-dollar strain. So it just shows you that no matter where you are, there's options for capturing local yeast. Um, and so we just continued our journey. And I think part of the fun of bootleg biology and capturing local yeast is kind of 
documenting that process because it just shows you that um, there's beautiful areas wherever you are that you know need to be recognized for the, the things they create. And so I want to show people that we've we've caught yeast from a flower in, in Uray, and it's pretty exciting. Very cool. So are you busy? Um, how are you busy? You know, isolating those strains now. Oh yeah, you know it's 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 a little bit of a process. We we kind of go overboard because I'd rather try to get um, you know more yeast than I can handle. So it's a it's a regular process, and I'm you know my wife's helping me out, and we're we're trying to do this together. And you know part of the thing of bootleg biology is you know the more yeast the better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get more samples than I probably can handle, and I have a little backlog. But it really is fun, and in the end, I'm gonna have a culture that. You know, hopefully it will be fun to brew with and share with other people. And before break, you talked about uh, different ways of storing this yeast and that you like slants because you can always bring those up. And those don't take up a lot of space, but you're amassing a lot of diversity. And are you running out of space? Do you have plans for space? <laughs> I would say we probably are running out of space or mostly um, I'm running out of my wife's patience, I think, a little bit because <laughs> – you know, every time we get a refrigerator, it ends up just kind of becoming part of bootleg biology, and that's kind of the goal. So we actually um, recently um, have signed on for a space here in Nashville, so that will be kind of our, our permanent home for storing the yeast bank, and um, we'll get a whole slew of refrigerators and so hopefully some, um, you know, more specialized equipment for storing that bank. And really it's kind of kind of has a dual goal. It's a, it's a place for us to, to store the bank, and do lab work, but really to kind of be um, a place where the community can come and interact with bootleg biology and see what we're doing, and people can learn um, yeast wrangling techniques and how to work with the lab. And really, the goal is to you know take away the, the mystery from yeast wrangling. You know, it's one thing to have the website and go to NHC, um, but I think once people see firsthand how easy these things are to do, I think. You know, hopefully we'll start a you know a yeast wrangling revolution in, in Nashville from just people Absolutely. coming to take a look and experiment with um, things like streaking. Absolutely, nothing uh, takes place of hands-on experience for sure. So we mm-hmm. we tasted two beers during your seminar at NHC. The first was, I believe, a saison that was made with your um, your Saccharomyces Arlen. Wait a minute, I got to find it again. <laughs> Arlingtonesis. Yes. Um and then the second was a Berliner made with something that you cultured from kimchi, if I recall. Oh yeah, definitely. So tell <laughs> so, tell um, us about that. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people are, are making Berliners right now because they really are a fun beer. They're crushable in the summer. Um, and you do a kind of quick sour method. You don't necessarily need to worry about long time frames um, or contaminating some of your equipment. Um, but I wanted to do a, a different kind of spin for NHC. You know, I'm, I'm serving beer to a bunch of home brewers. I mean, you got to raise your game. You have to bring something that hopefully is a little bit unique and, you know, tastes good at the same time. So a Berliner beer was um, a Berliner but using some additional stout grain. So um, it was roasty and sour. Um, and instead of just um, pitching a commercial yeast culture, or I'm sorry, a uh, commercial lactoculture, um, I decided to try and isolate lactobacillus from my homemade kimchi. And I'm, I'm obsessed with kimchi. I mean, it, it's as bad as beer, um, and I love I love making it. And so I had some in my refrigerator, so I was, all right, let's try to figure it out. I had no idea it would work, and I was actually on a very short timeline. So if it didn't work, um, there wouldn't have been a very good beer to serve at <laughs> NHC. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, working with bacteria is a little bit trickier than yeast, and that's, that's why I don't go into detail too much on the website, but I'm sure we'll at some point add more info on that because bacteria is it's a lot smaller, you know, microscopically, um, and it's a little bit more difficult to work with on an auger plate, and you typically need a, a different medium than just um, a variation of brewer's work and auger to get it to grow, but really it, it worked out well, and I think it showed that top to bottom you can make almost any beer style um, that has 100% microbes that are sourced locally or through a method that's completely non-traditional, a bootleg, like my homemade kimchi. <laughs> awesome. That's pretty fun. It was, that was a totally delicious cool. beer, I thought. So, <laughs> Thank you. Sadly, I missed that. That was during the seminar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed your seminar, by the way. Never had a chance to apologize. <laughs> All <for>. right. <laughs> Although that brings us to um, the fact that if you any, any of you who are an AHA members can log into the site and listen to Jeff Mello's seminar at the same time that you watch the slide deck. Um, and if you are a home brewer out there and you're not an AHA member, you definitely should be. I mean, honestly, those seminars alone are are worth the the, year, the yearly fee. Absolutely. Um, plus, you get Zymergy Magazine and all these other benefits. But um, definitely listen to Jeff's seminar. I would encourage everybody out there to check out the website, bootlegbiology.com, as well as listen to the seminar. I think you will be inspired to get in on this uh, backyard yeast wrangling and you know, order a kit or make your own kit and contribute to the Open Yeast Project. Or take a swab, throw it in a bag, mail it to, <laughs> mail it to Jeff Mello. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's get, get your zip code represented. It's like naming stars. They already exist, but if you don't claim it. <laughs> well, my goal, I'm, exactly. I'm finishing a project that will be wrapped up in August, but my goal after that is to be the first person to send you a, a wild yeast isolated from the Manhattan, or the Williamsburg Bridge, which I walk over rather frequently. Yeah, yeah. We'll send you I one from the studio, too. That, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'll send you one from the studio. I'm going to spot this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have all the hosts, <laughs> all those microphones. Yeast radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Although, actually... Um, we this so our studio is in the back of Roberta's Pizza, which is an absolutely amazing pizzeria in the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn, and they actually have a rooftop garden. So we probably could get some swabs from their rooftop oh, garden so or the backyard. That would be That's awesome. Right. They have right. a really nice backyard too. Jeff, thank you very much. We yeah. do have to go, but before we actually do go, uh, we just talked about being a member of the AHA, but more importantly, listeners, you should become a member of Heritage Radio Network. We are a nonprofit organization with 30-plus shows. Being a member uh, gets you lots of fun stuff. It's not very much, but it helps support the cause and keep people as awesome as Jeff Mello coming and being our guests. Yep, that's true. How do you become a member? Oh, go to heritageradionetwork.org. <laughs> slash <laughs> Donate. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it and foment about it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Good night. Foment about it. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.